good to uh, be able to worship online, at least. I know this is probably a historical moment. We probably won't ever, we never do this again, worship online for Easter Sunday, but but here we are. Um, let's see who's online here. Just make sure no one's bombing our Zoom. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, it is Easter Sunday. Uh, we had Good Friday service last Friday, and... Um, well, you, you know how the story goes. It, it's Easter Sunday, so Jesus is risen from the dead. So that's something that we, uh, at least on the calendar year, try and remember and uh, think about today. And so the sermon is from John chapter 20, and we see here the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But for Easter and for many of us, uh, not even for those of us who go to church, uh, but for those who don't, um, it's a time of new beginnings, isn't it? Uh, you know, the weather is nicer, um, the sun is out, the, the the colors are coming back. Uh, winter was when everything kind of died and uh, lost its color. But spring, you know, it, it's it's new birth, right? That's what Easter for many is. is. It's the, the colors are coming back. Uh, there, there's new life. Uh, birds are chirping, so on and so forth. And so um, it's it's a time of hope. And, and to be honest, we could probably use uh, a little bit of newness in our lives right now, right? A little bit of hope, uh, especially during this time of pandemic. There's hope. Things are getting a little bit better, I think. Uh, people are up and about. Um, people are getting vaccinated. And I think soon this will be hopefully behind us really soon. That's hope. Maybe maybe uh, work or family or, or life. Um, you're praying for something new as well. And, and so it's something that I think is relevant to all of us. But what I want to focus on here today is uh, when you look at the Gospel of John, especially in the passage that Hannah just read, um, there's not just something new about us or about our situation, but there's also something new about our relationship with Jesus Christ, who has now risen in this passage at this point in time. There's something that's changed um, in Jesus' relationship with people. And you see that here with Mary Magdalene, right? Uh, the relationship between Mary and Jesus somehow has changed. And uh, on the surface, uh, that change doesn't seem all that great, but it's actually a lot deeper and a lot more better than we think. And secondly, it's also a lot more hopeful. So there's just two points here today. One is um, the resurrection of Jesus um, seems less intimate when you look at this passage in terms of its relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's actually more intimate. And second point here is not only is it more intimate, but it's more hopeful. And we have to keep in mind here, Jesus didn't just raise from the dead, but if you keep reading this story, mm -hmm. and even in our passage, he says he's going to um, ascend to the Father. So he's going to leave. He didn't just rise from the dead, but, but he's also going to leave. And so we need to keep that in mind. And so let's look at the first point here that I have, and that is that um, the relationship between Mary and Jesus, between people and Jesus, has, has changed. And um, it seems less intimate, but it's actually more. I saw some years ago a, a Woody Allen film called Midnight in Paris. I'm not sure if you saw it, but in it, it's basically about an uh, aspiring novelist who takes a trip to Paris and he gets caught up in the, the romance of the, of the City of Lights. And in his own mind, he thinks to himself, if only I had lived in the past uh, of those glory days, of all those famous writers, people like Fitzgerald, um, Hemingway, Picasso, uh, all these artists, um, you know, if I lived back then and if I could be around them, I could have been a better writer, a, a true writer. And to be honest, we oftentimes, when we think about Christianity or when we think about Jesus Christ, we fall into the same thinking. 
that if I was there in the past, if, if I was there with Mary Magdalene, and if I were to physically be able to engage with Jesus Christ and, and his person and to talk to him and to see him, uh, if I could just see when Jesus walked the earth uh, in the dusty streets of Galilee, think how much more intimate I could have been with Jesus Christ. Think how much easier it would have been for me to, to uh, believe and to follow uh, Jesus Christ. But what that movie shows, uh, what Woody Allen's movie shows, and also what the New Testament shows, is that things aren't always better just because we're in close proximity to the ones that we look up to or the ones that we love. And something here that, that we see here, there, that there's a change in the relationship that wasn't there before for Mary. Now, see, uh, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb, right? And it's empty. Uh, she looks in, there's nobody there, and she's weeping. And then there's these two angels that announce to her that, that Christ um, has risen. And she turns and she sees Jesus, Jesus there. But for some reason, she doesn't, she doesn't recognize him. And so already you see that there's something changed here in, in their relationship. She doesn't rec recognize him physically. Uh, perhaps it was too early in the morning. Maybe she couldn't see very well because there's so many tears in her eyes. Uh, maybe it was somehow supernaturally withheld from her, or it's a combination of all these things. We're not sure. But Jesus asked her, why, why are you crying? And I, th I think she thinks he's like a gardener or something. And she asked him, show me where the body of Jesus is. And then in verse 16, Jesus says to her, Mary calls her name out. She turns and and then uh, says to him, she recognizes him and, and says to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, right? So here's Mary Magdalene. She, she really loved Jesus Christ. She, she was one of his disciples. She followed him around. He just died. She was just, I think, wrecked by that. And, and then she goes to visit the tomb. There's no body. And all of a sudden, there he is. And, and at the moment, she recognizes him. Can you imagine the feeling that she must have had when she saw the, the person that, that she loved and followed? Um, can you imagine what she wanted to do? If you saw someone that you hadn't seen for a while, that you thought was long gone, but now is right in front of you, what would you want to do? And I think for many of us, we probably want to run to that person and we probably want to give this person a hug, you know, uh, maybe some kisses, maybe just at least a handshake, right? Something to express our love. And I think that's what Mary wanted to do or tried to do. But in verse 17, what does Jesus tell her? He says to her, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Do you, do you see the response that, that Jesus had? It, it seems a little less intimate. Something's changed, and, and it, it doesn't seem, he, he's, not, he's not quite the same anymore. He says, don't touch me. Don't, don't cling to me, because I, I haven't gone to the Father yet. And it's kind of odd that he would say this. Um, she was clearly able to recognize him. Uh, she was overcome with joy, probably, maybe even shock. She probably falls at his feet, trying to cling to him, wrap her arms around him. And Jesus says, don't do that. Right. And so on the surface, it, it, it's almost like he's stiff arming her. Right. Kind of like some of us do, you know, in church uh, during greetings. Maybe some of us want to give others a hug, but you're not that huggy type. And so you're kind of like, whoa, don't don't touch me. Right. Uh, it, it, it's it seems like that um, we're, we're physical beings for many of us. We, we experience through touch 
taste, our, our hearing, uh, seeing, smelling, feeling, and those things feel more real to us. And those are ways that we we express our, our, our love physically. But, you know, the, to be honest, we've got to remember this as we continue in the story, um, even animals function by, by those senses. And yet God says we're more to him than just animals. That we're not just physical, but we're also spiritual. That there are souls that belong to us. And it is something that I want you to keep in mind as we continue in this story, because here, Jesus just doesn't seem like himself. He, he's a little standoffish. Uh, he, he seems aloof. Don't touch me, Mary. You know, this is his disciple who, you know, who loved her and, and, and he loved, um, she loved him. And, and so is this the same Jesus that, that Mary is meeting? The same Jesus that, that was crying outside of Lazarus' tomb in John chapter 11? Is this the same Jesus on, on whose chest John rested his head? The same Jesus who was in torment and agony on the cross, and he called out to God with strong cries, with tears, blood, and with sweat, overcome with emotion? Is this the same Jesus? Because it doesn't seem like it. Um, is this what the resurrected Jesus looks like? Kind of now that he's risen, now that he's died, but now he's alive, that he kind of shed his emotion, he shed his feelings, he shed his affection. Whatever the case is, the point is, even Mary Magdalene couldn't relate with Jesus the way she used to. Something has changed. And it seems less intimate. She can't touch him anymore. She can't physically engage with him the same way anymore. It seems less intimate, but actually it's not the case. Because notice what Jesus says to her in response in verse 17. He says, don't cling to me because I haven't gone to my father yet. I'm going to go away, he says. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And so what you see here that when you listen to those verses, it's all in the personal pronouns. My father and your father, my God and your God, God the Father. And then he says, go to my brothers and tell them, my father and your father, my God and your God. Here's, here's why this is, this is amazing. Because in the Old Testament, uh, God was always referred to as father in a sense, but rarely by one single individual. He was referred to as father by, by the nation. He was the father of the nation of Israel. And Israel was referred to as the firstborn of God. But no one in the Old Testament dares speak as Jesus did, my father, in this personal way. It's language unparalleled. And I think it's surprising. It was shocking and, and probably even blasphemous to the eyes of Pharisees. But because Jesus has now risen from the dead and because he's about to go away to the father again, Jesus doesn't just say, my father. But now he says, your father. My God, now your God. And there's this much more, I think, personal, much more intimate perspective of a relationship that he's saying that we have, that he has, and now we have with God the Father. That he's saying that his own father is now just as much our father as he is his father. And that's why he says, go to my brothers. Literally, because now they have the same father. 
You see, there's something about the resurrection and the ascension that changes things, in, I think, for the better. The relationship we see here that's changed is this, that God's people is now no longer just physical. It's not just physical and earthly. It's no longer physical and earthly anymore. Like the disciples and Mary, just like them, we too can no longer cling to Jesus physically, can we? We don't see him physically, can we? We don't touch him or engage with him that way, do we? We don't have that kind of relationship, but it doesn't mean that it's less intimate. In fact, it's much, much more. It's not more intimate physically, but spiritually, it's become much more. When you think of the resurrection or the ascension, uh, you tend to think of it as something like undoing of the incarnation, right? That Jesus kind of put on this costume of a human being, came down from heaven like an employee with a uniform. He worked for a few mm -hmm. hours. And then mm -hmm. now in the resurrection, he takes off that costume, that human costume, and he goes back to the father, right? That's oftentimes what we think. But here's the thing. When Jesus rose from the dead, and when he goes back to the Father, he didn't go back the way he was before he came to earth. When he rose from the dead, he didn't shed his human skin, his humanity. Uh, it, it was more than a temporary costume for, for our Lord. It's something that he took on for eternity. And so this, this is, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but this, is, this, is, this ought to be mind-boggling. Right? Because think about this the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, has always been there from eternity, but they were completely spiritual in nature. But now, what you see here for the first time in history, when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just rise spiritually, he rose physically. And physically now, in the shape and the form of human beings like us, he goes to the Father and back into the Trinity. And now for the first time in history, that Trinity, that relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Father, God, Spirit, Holy Spirit is a spirit. But now with Jesus Christ in the form of human being and spirit in the Trinity forever. And I think that ought to blow our mind that we have an ascended Jesus Christ who bears glorified human flesh at the right hand of the Father right now. That's huge for us. That's huge. You know why? Here's the thing. Uh, I'll try to illustrate it this way. Uh, my father, uh, hopefully he's not online, but I don't know. But my father, um, you know, he was always very frugal with his 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 money, you know, his finances. Mm -hmm. And every time he uh, uh, would go to a restaurant. Uh, you know, usually we tip, you know, our, our waiters and our waitresses. But I think, you know, he was always a small tipper. You know, I think 3%, maybe 5%. Okay. And we'd always tell him, you know, it was, it's at least 15. And back then, now it's more like 20 now, 18 to 20, but, but three to 5%. That's what it, he would always tip. But, um, you know, one year my sister became a, a, a waitress and she worked as a waitress for a while. And, uh, you know, he would go to her restaurant and just, you know, have her waiter us. And then because it was his daughter, you know, he, he'd want to always tip a little more. But the thing is, even after my sister quit her job, even after that, every time he goes to a restaurant mm -hmm. since then, every time he sees a waiter or a waitress, he sees or thinks about his daughter. He remembers how hard the work was or is for people working in that situation. 
and he thinks about his daughter working in that situation. So now every time he goes to a restaurant and sees a waiter or a waitress, now he tips 10%, right? And so, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more. But here's the thing about what the incarnation or the resurrection means for us, right? That Jesus Christ is now with the Godhead in the flesh. And it means this, that every time God looks at his son now, up there in heaven, in the flesh, guess what? He is reminded of us. Every time the father declares his love for his son in the flesh, in humanity, he is reminded of his love for us. If Jesus is God's beloved son by nature, then every time God sees his son in the flesh, he is reminded that now by faith, we too are his sons by adoption. And Jesus is our brother. And because of this reason, Jesus tells Mary, God is not just my father anymore. He is your father. And Jesus is our brother. And that's why he is resurrected. And that's why he's going to be there in heaven, because he's going to represent us, advocate for us, looking like one of us, so that every time his father sees us, he's reminded of us. That's why he goes away to the Father, okay? That's why it's a much more intimate relationship we have even today, at least by faith and spirit. But secondly, it isn't just more intimate, but it's also more hopeful. When you read the Gospel of Luke, at the end of Luke, the disciples, after the resurrection, worshipped with great joy, continually blessing God, he says. Luke ends the gospel with them, the disciples, worshiping God with great joy. There wasn't sadness anymore. There was joy. Why? I think it was because they had hope now. What was it about Jesus' resurrection and him going away that was going to be joyful? And here's what I think. Because if the cross of Jesus means that Jesus died for me, then the empty tomb means that Jesus is no longer dead and he's risen for me. It means that death and dying, as scary as it can be, is no longer the end of the story for me. Now, there's something more. And if Jesus is no longer here on earth, it means he must be up there in the flesh and spirit glorified. That's what Jesus' resurrection means for us today. That if Jesus' death was proof of his love for us, then Jesus' resurrection is proof of his promise for us, that death is not the end, that not only is he advocating for us right now, but in the most intimate personal relationship with us here and now, now there is a certain future glory waiting for us all in Jesus Christ. And that future hope ought to change who we are and how we live right now. This is what I mean. Charles, uh, Darwin, in his famous book, The Origin of Species, basically concludes basically this, that you and I are a product of our past. We are a product of our ancestry. You are what you are because of the past. That was pretty much his conclusion. And it's a quite different view from Catholic philosopher Peter Kreeft when he says, quote, men and women, we don't live just in the present, but we also live in the future. We live by hope. Animals, their lives are determined by their past. They are pushed. But Peter Kreeft, contrary to Darwin, says this, we are pulled. 
Creve continues by saying that many people's lives have been slowly changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, but not one of them was ever given a new past. You can't change the past. But the, prob- the, the thing is, that's not a problem for us because it's not our past. It's our future that makes us who we are and the hope that we have in the future. And if we really are to live like divine image bearers that we are, rather than like animals, like the Darwinists want us to be, the first thing we need to dwell on is dwell less on our past and more on our future. You see, Darwin's origin of species, it may be an important understanding of humanity, but it is the destiny, the destiny of species that makes us who we are. And all this is guaranteed for us by the resurrected Jesus Christ, that when you remember that he's no longer here on earth, but he's there up in heaven in the flesh, like one of us, that where he is, there will I be. That's the promise. As he advocates for us, as the father sees his son intimately, he's reminded of us, continues to watch over us, and brings his promise to completion. Where he is, there I will be. What he is in the flesh is what I will be in the flesh. Our destiny is guaranteed. And that's what the resurrection means for us. Now, I want us to think about that a little bit more today. What would your life look like if if you lived like this is actually true of you every day? The son and daughter of a living God, loved and accepted. The opinions and thoughts of others don't matter. That if you have a home in the very kingdom of God with all of his riches and glory, does any earthly rich compare, even if you were poor? That if you really have been free now to love and to give and never lose because of what God guarantees for you in the last day, how would your life look different? And I think the encouragement here is this, that as you think about the resurrected Jesus Christ, we're also encouraged to live as if Jesus really rose from the dead. That our Christian life is our walking right now, presently by faith, knowing that what God says of us visibly in the future is in fact true of us right now in the spirit. And so today, as we think about um, Easter and the resurrection, I pray that maybe God would give you more hope and, and, and more strength and more faith to live and speak and act and think according to what we will one day be, kings and queens, heirs of an eternal kingdom of God, all because we are reminded of the resurrected Jesus Christ and that he advocates for us. We are reminded that now we have someone like us in heaven, that when God sees the son, he sees us. And he's reminded of us and his heart continues to go out to us. And so I hope that gives us a little bit of hope wherever we are today, whatever we're struggling with today, as Easter is here, as we are reminded that that spring is here, as new life comes all around us, uh, we look forward not only to a better life here and now, but we also look forward to the promise of the best life to come in Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you so much.